You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the grand finale of the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by Blaze Media. This is Daniel Harwitz back in the house. And no, this is not the grand finale of the show. There's no finality of anything. We look forward to another amazing year here at Conservative Review. Um, we are just getting started. And I first wanted to say, I wanted to thank you all for an amazing year. I know sometimes I sound like I'm pretty grumpy in a bad mood. And look, you know, if you speak the truth, if you recognize the severity of the problems we have politically, not just the typical political problems that other media focus on, but really on a deep level on how our constitutional republic from a legal perspective, from a social perspective, from a moral perspective is so broken, so misallocated, so uh, so backwards in so many ways, it's very hard not to get down. But what really has invigorated me and more so in recent weeks is just the engagement from this audience, the growth of this audience over this past year. I am so thankful for it. Um, I'm literally a nobody. I came from nothing. I have no political pedigree. Um, Without you guys, I would quite literally still be a nothing. And like I said at the beginning of the year, hopefully before the end of January, we hope to get up this social networking group on Facebook where we could all kind of get together, get to know each other, um, share ideas, share strategies, get active, um, focus on the art of the achievable. You know, that that's going to be one of my New Year's resolutions to try to focus on the art of what is achievable. You look back at this past year and, you know, in the waning hours of 2018, it's truly amazing to behold what a missed opportunity this year was. It just is. I mean, when did you ever have a political party that had the trifecta of governance? And it was it was just nothing. They literally did nothing. Yeah, you know, they did one thing in 2017, and that was it, just the tax cuts. Declined to make them permanent when this year started off, when the tax cuts were still popular. And they had the votes. They could have done budget reconciliation to easily get around the filibuster. Didn't do it. Blew out the Budget Control Act, the one spending cut package we ever secured this generation, 2011. They repealed it, expanded the Department of Education by billions of dollars, as well as many other agencies, departments. Passed the omnibus in um, March. Passed a bunch of opioid bills stigmatizing painkillers while facilitating the true problem of gangs and drugs brought in by transnational cartels through our broken, not immigration law, but immigration policies put forth by the courts and the bureaucracies. You know, I'm proud that this was a year that many of the issues that we warned about came to the forefront of the national consciousness. consciousness. Whether it's um, sovereignty, security, Truly identifying the nature of the drug crisis and the cause of it. The problems of the breakdown in law and order and how we're going backwards on our views on crime. Sadly, we lost that battle, but I think we've at least awakened people that this is now a problem. Obviously, my original book from 2016, Stolen Sovereignty, you guys all recognize the problem with the courts and how even after Anthony Kennedy retired, the courts have not changed and the resistance from the left and the lower courts is getting worse than ever. What we do about it 
and how we wake up enough of our colleagues to focus on these issues is a different story. And it's something we're going to have to explore in the new year. But just to recap this past year, it was a year of a lot of our predictions coming true, mainly in a negative light. But like I said, it was also a year of a missed opportunity. And that's really embodied in President Trump and really embodied on the issues of immigration and crime. Because here you have a president who naturally was open to our views on it and indeed held those views. And rather than harnessing that as a movement to focus on it, we spent all year fake news, Mueller, oh, we're going to win the elections. Blowing through all these budget opportunities we had when we could have made this fight in the 11th hour, we could have had it when we were still going to maintain control for a number of months. And indeed, we might have kept control had we actually had this fight and had a sustained battle over gangs and drugs of, of criminal aliens and the criminal alien crime wave we're going to get to in a minute. Identity theft. We would have fought these issues. And instead, we spent the earlier part of the year talking about DACA, amnesty. And yeah, it did culminate in the end with Trump agreeing to violate everything he's ever said on crime up until a couple weeks before and drug traffickers and federal criminals. Because everything in this system works with gravitational pull. The stronger the gravitational pull, the stronger the allurement to the political class to head in that direction. If we don't provide that counter-gravity, counter-motion to Trump, he's going to drift like anyone else. doesn't have to be that way. And indeed, in many of these issues, he's naturally more with us. But if we just talk about draining the swamp while ignoring the swampiest swamp, and often the very people talking about draining the swamp are the ones making it worse, then Trump's just going to drift into that. So that's really what this year is. And you know, you look at the positive of what is happening now that Trump is so far holding the line. That only reveals the lost and missed opportunity of the entire last two years when they had control for a while of the House. And they could have passed so many good bills out of the House. And Trump could have done this. And this, I think if, you, if this would have been done for two years, we could have whittled down McConnell's reluctance to actually not just not even repeal the filibuster. But as we noted on Friday's show, before you got to Foreign Policy Friday, just to challenge Democrats to talking filibuster. None of that was done. And I, I think as we head into the new year, the biggest question that should lurk in the minds of all of us is how do we plan to do things differently? What's going to change? Again, if you're, you know, for most conservatives, whether you like Republicans, like Trump, or not, or anything in between. You're all hoping that Republicans win back the House and Trump wins re-election in 2020. You know, we're all getting entreated to the opening salvos of this Democrat primary. Elizabeth Warren announced her candidacy, or at least exploratory committee, which means she's going to run today. 50 million others are going to announce in the coming days and weeks. And 95% of my colleagues in this business, even on the so-called right, are going to focus all their attention, almost like feeling the need that they have to referee the minutia and the cat fights between, I don't know, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, and Cuomo, and Harris, and whoever else is running. And really, the lesson to take out from the Democrats is something very different. They're all as radical as can be. They all maxed out. It doesn't matter who gets the nomination. 
The fact that they've moved so far to the left on issues like sexuality and terrorism and even for illegal, like regularly illegal immigrants, even criminal aliens, that they have made Obama's 2008 campaign look conservative, quite literally, so quickly. I mean, I remember when, when it shocked our consciousness back in 2008. We're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, what happened to the Democrat Party? And now we would die to go back to that era of just a decade ago. How have Democrats gotten so far to the left? Well, the way they've gotten so far to the left is because when you don't have an equal and opposing force serving as a check and a balance on them, honing in and harnessing every opportunity to debunk them, every opportunity to expose their radicalism and show a bold contrast, then they feel they can get away with it and they get more and more radical if there's no check on your behavior. And it's embodied in this immigration issue. You look at things that Democrats said just a few years ago. Maybe they didn't mean them, but they felt at least they need to say, oh, I just don't want to deport our grandmother. But, yeah, we're going to get these criminal aliens out of here. That was Obama's whole message. And now we have an insane criminal alien crisis. I mean, if we would only deport the criminal aliens, we'd be amazing as a country. The criminality from criminal aliens is insane the more I study this issue. Yet the media won't focus on it, even the conservative media. We never harness the fight in this 11th hour over Christmas break in a dead zone. We're going to see what happens this coming week. Finally, we push Trump into a fight. We had two years to do this. What a missed opportunity. But also the lesson is the Democrats are only becoming so far to the left because we don't have a proper movement to combat them. That's the question, not who wins the Democrat primary. We can't affect that, nor should we care to affect that. What do we do with our audiences where people intuitively don't want that? They want something different to hone them in on the right ideas and the right strategies and the right political choices to make, to pressure the people who supposedly represent our side, supposedly in the administration and the Republican Party, to get them on our message. Because the big question here is, so what if you win the House? So what if Trump gets reelected? What is going to change from the past two years? Think about it. What is going to be different? It's going to be the same stuff. They're not going to get 60 votes in the Senate, no matter what. And even if they had 60 Republicans, we don't have anywhere near 51, much less 60 conservatives there. At some point, we need to ask ourselves that. And then the few things that Trump is doing executively, the courts are engaging in civil disobedience, and we've still acceded to this notion in society that any district judge at any time on any issue could grant standing to anyone and put a universal injunction on an abstract policy, including sovereignty. Yeah, I mean, just over the weekend, maybe it was Friday, um, can't remember exactly where this was, but um, where is this? I'm trying to get this here. One of the few good things that, that um, Trump did on healthcare got countermanded by a district judge. So I don't know if some of you are familiar with this 340B program. This 340B program. Where basically hospitals and the hospital conglomerates make a killing off these subsidies for for, um, reduced drug pricing. And all Trump did was just, you know, sorry about this music here. I hate, I hate these pop-ups. Um, all Trump tried to do is just merely restore the intent of the program. And the courts just threw that out. 
lot of you might be unfamiliar with it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it really was one of the best things he did on healthcare. Um, so there's there's this discount on medications through this Medicare 340B program. That's the title of Medicare that offers it. Um, and it was to provide care to, to low-income patients. But what they would do is they would just pocket the money and they wouldn't even give the discounts to the patients. Again, this is this is what happens in healthcare. You empower the rich. And, and this is the healthcare message we need to have for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. You're for the little man? Really, Elizabeth? You're for empowering these very people with venture socialism so they can have monopolies to screw everywhere, everyone else. Because there's no price transparency. Because there are no prices. It's propped up by government. So hospitals aren't required to post their prices for anything. So to begin with, that's a problem. But then you throw in the 340B discount program. And it extends um, the subsidy for medications also to all these clinics and outpatient facilities that are now owned by the conglomerates. Thanks to Obamacare and the Medicaid expansion. Because it's incentivizing them to buy up all the you know small doctor pra- practices. But now, the hospitals have figured out how to, how to reap the rewards. I mean, they've been doing this forever. Um, between 2005 and 2011, the number of hospitals um, on the 340B program quadrupled, according to a government accountability study. And um, they just, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable what they did. They just ate the money. So, you know, the Trump administration took some steps to curb the abuse of the program. Again, I don't want to get too much into this. I want to go back to immigration. And, uh, you know, a district judge said you can't do this. So, so this is what we have to look forward to. This is what we have to look forward to in the coming year. You know, they're going to blame everything on, oh, you know, Pelosi, oh, we don't have the House. I mean, look, they had this excuse when they had the House, and certainly now that they don't, they're going to say they can't do anything. And anything Trump does unilaterally on immigration, on health care, on anything, is going to get enjoined. And guess what? Roberts ain't doing nothing. Oh, no, Daniel. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that there will be another vacancy. Well, first of all, you don't know that. And even if there is, I think by now you're starting to believe me that this is a never-ending quicksand with the judiciary game. So if nothing else, I'm proud that we've been proven right because you know I want to give you over truthful thoughts, truthful ideas, truthful diagnosis of of a political problem. And you know if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. But you know I think this year we've really been proven right on almost everything we've um, we've promoted. That's the question here. What is going to change in the coming few years, even if Trump has a second term, even if he has Republican control during the entire second term? So what? So what? And by the way, I just one more note on that before we get into the main thrust of the show today. Um, If you had a committed movement, actually having Pelosi as the false foil would make it even easier to fight now. Because now you can blame her for everything. See, Democrats, if they were smart, they would have just nominated a no-name or elected a no-name speaker. There's plenty of them that are just as radical as Pelosi. So you could have the radicalism, but you know the people don't yet know about her or him. And it would take a while to kind of you know make that person just meaningful enough to get the blame. Whereas Pelosi, it's very easy to blame on her. No one likes her. So like I said before, if anything, if Republicans are committed to fighting, you see, before they looked like fools because like, well, you control the government. How does it shut down on your watch? Well, now you could blame Pelosi and you could fight this out indefinitely. And then we're going to have the debt ceiling fight somewhere in uh, probably, I mean, it's the suspension goes until March 1st, but then they have the extraordinary measures, whatever that winds up, you know, giving them a couple more months of juice. So it's maybe somewhere in May or June. Um, that's a big problem because Pelosi would have to, what is she going to do? Just extend the debt ceiling indefinitely? 
she looks kind of weak because Trump's see if the Democrats are present, then they want they then they want to raise the debt ceiling. But here Trump is, so they want to blame him for the debt. I mean, what you're going to give him a blank check? So then they're caught with a choice. The, now they have to raise taxes. They have problems. There's a lot of opportunities again, and we're going to talk about them when we get closer to the time. But we, you know, it doesn't mean that you know just because we lost the election that we're 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 down and out. If anything, now we have more more leverage. But I wanted to get to this criminal alien problem. The more I study this issue, it is truly insane how much of our violence in this country is called by is caused by foreigners. And look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You don't need data. Just think about it. You have the most violent countries in the world south of our border. And they're homogenous, so it's not like it's a persecuted minority that's coming from there. It's part and parcel of the same you know, demographic that's doing the violence is coming here. Now, they're not all doing it, but it, you, see, you see what I'm saying? It's not just the people fleeing it. It's part and parcel of it. It's the drug cartels that are facilitating it, and often their own associates and gang members and, and smugglers are the ones coming over too doesn't take a genius to realize that a large percentage of those coming over the border are bad dudes. I mean, that's what Trump originally said, and that's why he frankly won the primary, because it was one of the most truthful things that needed to be saying in politics. This is the most redressable issue. It's the most avoidable issue. And it's, at its core, the reason why we have a federal government, to protect from external harm. It doesn't mean that a murderer who is an American and has been here in his family since the Mayflower is any less evil for committing violence or murder. But what it does mean is that it's completely avoidable because you just don't let them in. And you just don't have the magnets that invite them in and they won't come. And to the extent they're here, the first time they interact with society, which they have to at some point, whether it's a driver's license, whether it's some other status with housing, whether it's a job. If all the agencies, you know, government clamps down on citizens when they want to, gun rights and everything, but somehow here they're impotent. If you have functioning interior enforcement, you deport them all. As soon as you catch them, and certainly the criminal elements, easily. It's so avoidable. So avoidable. Like I said, that is why Madison said we had we needed a more robust federal government to better not to grow government from the original vision in the revolutionary era, but to double down and re- reinforce what the Article of Confederation was supposed to do, but didn't successfully do of blocking us from obnoxious aliens. Now, Madison wasn't naive and he understood as any society we have our own obnoxious citizens but you know it's natural law you can't deport them you got to deal with them even the criminal elements you can only lock up for so long and in our society we're barely locking them up and even then they think it's for too long so you're going to keep having to deal with them and we've all talked about the recidivism problem the beauty of criminal aliens is you don't have to worry about it because the minute you catch them the first go around you get rid of them. And then if you don't have the magnets and you don't have the sanctuaries and you don't have identity theft, the ability to steal identity, worse than that, IRS downright encourages them to steal identities, to file tax identification numbers when they totally have the data to apprehend them. But we don't. Because we want to evidently, well, Daniel, we need their tax money. Well, dude, they're getting back more in refundable tax credits than what they pay in payroll taxes. But anyway, we've said this a number of times. See, we ended Friday's show talking about a man named Corporal Ron L. Singh. He was a legal immigrant naturalized <clears throat> however many years ago who moved to a small town in California and became a police officer as part of this 13-man, very small police force. 
and we knew already that he was killed <clears throat> by this man, uh, allegedly Gustavo Perez Ariaga. <clears throat> Sorry, a Mexican illegal alien, and he was arrested near Modesto, California. But what we found out over the weekend is what I suspected, but couldn't confirm on Friday's show. As always, guess what? Now, it's bad enough any illegal that kills or maims or harms or steals identity or anything else, property, is by its nature avoidable. Because if we had functioning border and visa security, we wouldn't let in any bad people. And they wouldn't, and frankly, as we noted with all our diagrams, they, they wouldn't come if you didn't have magnets. This is the easiest issue. Everyone's like, man, uh, how do we solve it? Dan, what, what's your idea? And I'm like, well, make illegal immigration illegal. <laughs> we don't. I mean, it's technically on the law it is, but because of all the policies and then the sanctuary states and then the courts, well, don't come here. But but if you do, well, actually, you know, we're going to release you and um, you get education for your kids. You get welfare and uh, they don't apply for a job. But, you know, if you happen to steal an identity, uh, would you mind filing some taxes? Um, K through 12 education you get. Oh, and if anyone uh, tries to, any cop tries to ask for your papers, we're going to um, award you a civil, uh, a civil lawsuit based on your claims against him. And, uh, oh, and by the way, you know, even normal Americans, they might serve a little jail time if they kind of assault someone, DUIs, drug trafficking. But you, you're a protected class, so we're going to actually let you go from local prison and then ensure ICE doesn't get you. Well, yeah, they're going to come. <laughs> I mean, you put me in charge for a minute. When I say put me in charge, I mean, you didn't have all the problems, the courts and everything. Believe me, we won't have illegal immigration. It will dry up within a few weeks. So by definition, it's avoidable. But there's another layer going on with sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, that's a double layer of avoidability. See, when you're talking about murderers, you have to start with the general criminal justice system, even with Americans. And this was a big part of my point of how the murder rate declined by 70% over several decades. Dropped like a rock. And we noted it was because of the Federal Career Armed Criminal Act and the drug laws which might not have stopped the drug crisis, but that's because of a different story. But what it did do is it took all the guys that were prone to commit murder off the streets. Because basic criminology dictates, most of the time, that someone doesn't go from zero to 100 in one shot. You don't have a guy without any charges, much much less arrests, that suddenly suddenly goes on to commit murder. The story is there's always the so-called lower-level crimes, which are often pretty devastating in themselves, that they commit then. And that's your warning shot. With illegals, this applies tenfold for two reasons. Number one is, in the culture, they are very prone to be gang members Drug traffickers commit assault and DUIs. There's a DUI crisis of unimaginable proportions. Every year, roughly, you know, the numbers change slightly, but every year, ICE apprehends 76 to 80,000. Well, let me, let me phrase it a different way. Criminal, enough criminal aliens that are collectively responsible for 76 to 80,000. DUIs, and then 76,000 other traffic offenses. And those are just the people they catch because these are the, the literally the quintessential illegal that they consider low-level that the sanctuaries will not cooperate with are the DUIs. Those are the ones, I mean, even under Obama, which wasn't nearly as bad as the sanctuaries, where he was legitimately going after certain criminal aliens, but not DUIs. <laughs> Now, we had Eileen Smith on the show earlier this year who lost her son to an illegal DUI. This happens every week. 
This is another story you never hear in the media. It is so ubiquitous. Look, DUIs are devastating to begin with. I, I don't think we're tough enough in general. We treat it as low level. I think repeat DUIs, not four, but twice, should be mandatory sentencing. But certainly, certainly for illegals. The first time you catch the guy drunk driving, shouldn't we all agree to get the guy out of the country? You can't deport an American, but you could deport an alien. So they should be gone, removed from the universe. Don't threaten us anymore. Can't do DUI again. But most importantly, it's the same people living on the rough side, crossing borders. It's not you and I who cross international borders, overstay our visas. I would never think of traveling to a foreign country and doing that. Certainly the border migration with the coyotes and everything. These are bad people by and large. A very large percentage. Or even if the parents are kind of desperate, but the teenage kids they bring over are a bunch of punks. And remember, all these people you, you see, and I'm going to link to my article in show notes, there's a legal alien crime wave, and I, I barely scraped the surface. I just gave a few examples from last week. Often you'll see a 21-year-old, a 25-year-old. Guess what? These were the people that five years ago were called the unaccompanied minors that we had to give amnesty to, that we had to invite in, that we needed DACA for. You know what's so scary? The DACA, the Dreamer amnesty proposals that are being put on the table now are now the cutoff for eligibility is late enough that it's roping in the people that already came in as a result of the original DACA. Cutoff was 2007. Obama implemented in 2012. They started coming in 2013, 2014, 2015. Now they're going to allow in that wave that came in as a result of the original one. But these are people, I mean, again, this was, um, what is it, Operation Raging Bull earlier this year from ICE. They apprehended um, 214 MS-13 folks. 64 of them were literally UACs. Most of the other ones were maybe, you know, maybe they're in the spirit of them. Maybe they're a few years older when they came in. But it's the same demographic. I don't care if you're 19 or 17. It doesn't make much of a difference to me. We have a major problem. You look in these cities, you know, so of course we have the general problem with the breakdown of society and we could get into that's a whole conversation, the inner city, uh, the breakdown of a a lot of the black communities. But a lot of the most wanted people you're seeing and certainly in places like Chicago and L.A. are, um, are from Latin America. This is the problem. We have a major criminal alien problem. And, and nobody is – sanctuary cities are devastating to the left, but we've re- failed. Talk about a missed opportunity for two years to bang away on this. We are not funding. We're going to fund the wall, and we're not going to fund sanctuary cities. And, you know, look, so far I haven't seen signs of Trump cracking. Lindsey Graham is saying he might agree to an amnesty, but, I, I, you know, for, until I see otherwise, that's just Lindsey probably gaslighting for now. I think Trump should give a speech, and, and really, he does need to give a speech and lay this all out. He needs to give a major address. He needs to drive a narrative because, look, nobody else is going to do it. He's got to do it. He's got the bully pulpit. He's got to drive this narrative here that, you know what? Not only am I not going to back down on the border, actually, now we're going to clamp, clamp down on sanctuary cities. So this guy who killed Officer Singe this fiend, Ariaga, he was twice deported, came in a few years ago during this wave. Thank you, Dream Act. He was a dreamer. Now I think he's in his early 30s, but certainly he's, he would have been eligible. He's a dreamer. And guess what? He had two prior arrests for DUI. I knew it. That's always the case. And he wasn't turned over. It is so redressable. Look, I cannot tell you that, look, if I run government, I could stop all crime and violence. No, your goal is to mitigate it. But when it comes to illegals, by definition, they're all avoidable. Because if you didn't, if you did our list, just a few of our list of 25, especially the more force multiplying um, cutting off the, the magnets, they wouldn't be here. They can't be here. There's no reason for them to come. 
Moreover, if you didn't have the sanctuary policies and we clamped down on them and cut off all funding, guess what? And you didn't have the sanctuary courts. Even when they finally, even when they commit a crime, the first crime, everything afterwards is 100% avoidable because they should have been removed. See, look, let's face it, you know, with Americans, we're not going to lock people up, especially for a long time for a DUI. But then you have tons of, I mean, think about it. Just in one year, these are just the people they apprehended, which most of them live in sanctuary cities because the demographics, by definition, they don't have access to them. ICE, or it's very hard for them to get them. 50,000 assaults, 76,000 drug offenses, all avoidable. But certainly the 2,023 homicides just in one year committed by illegals is totally avoidable. Because almost all of them have prior records. If we had a system that was working for us, you wouldn't have illegals. And then for legal immigrants, you know, a lot, a lot of aspects of legal immigration still work in the sense that they're not criminals. But there's certain notorious criminal elements for certain places. We should be slower. I'm sorry, but I slower and more careful with adjudication of these applications where we have to be certain. I could be almost certain that you are not going to commit a crime. And you know what? The beauty is, even if I make a mistake, this is why we have a probationary period. This was talked about even at the Constitutional Convention and the early naturalization acts, the concept of a probationary period, which is why you know they would come here, but they wouldn't become citizens right away. You'd have to be here a certain number of years, and then you would have to declare in an oath in court, swear off all allegiance and then you know the judge would have to determine it was controlled in those days by by the localities a local judge whether you had good character did you acquire good character meaning the only unavoidable thing would be someone we missed at the front end then he didn't do anything during the alien stage and then was naturalized and then started committing crimes but that would be very few people All illegal immigration is avoidable. All criminal aliens, until they naturalize, are avoidable. But no, there's this pressure from big business, which are a bunch of Marxists themselves, they're not capitalists, to bring in cheap labor at all costs. There's a story in Breitbart that um, just from last week, or it was announced last week. I mean, this happened a, uh, a couple months ago. A Mexican national who was given an H-2B visa, those are the low-skilled workers, he was wanted for a double homicide in Mexico. The Mexican government actually notified our government the day after he was given an H-2B visa. How did we miss that? How did we miss that? And why did we miss it? Why are we in such a rush to approve it? See, this is the big lie. And, and, and by the way, another thing is this guy who killed Officer Singe, Ariaga, he was a farm laborer in, in uh, what's that county outside of Bakerfield? Um, um where is this? I don't have it here. Um, but, you know, south of Modesto, he, the, the, the sheriff there, Adam uh, Christensen, at, at that press conference on Friday, said he was a farm laborer. This is the big lie. America is not a corporation. Where you don't have the right, if you're a, co- a corporation, to bring in people that do not fit the character of the nation, as I often quote from Congressman Sedgwick, during the 1790 Naturalization Act. That's what we wanted. You have to look at the social aspects, the, the obviously the security aspects. Once had a sheriff in Iowa tell me, like, hey, we love these guys during the day and we hate them at night. You know, everyone wants them for, you know, some of them are tough, strong guys. They 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 do the you know the manual labor and they get drunk at night. 
They commit assault, drug trafficking. You know, an ICE agent told me, notice in the, in the upper Great Plains like Nebraska, you're seeing a lot of um, uh, drug trafficking now. And they believe a lot of it's coming from, you know, like the meatpacking plants, all these ag, ag workers. There's your five cents cheaper uh, cost of, of lettuce and tomatoes. whoop de doo This is what we have here. This is what we're bringing in, even, even on visas. But then a lot of illegals obviously are, you know, work there as well. So that's the story with this guy. Imagine that. You have an illegal immigrant that we consensually bring in, lives the American dream, becomes a cop, and is gunned down by an illegal who was able to re-enter multiple times because we don't have a border wall, because we don't get rid of the magnets. And worse, he had priors and wasn't turned over to ICE. His death, like almost every single illegal alien murder, is 100% avoidable. And what's worse, they arrested seven, seven accomplices and family members. All illegals. Whole bunch of them, whole family. I mean, and that's the dirty little secret here. This is what the magnets and the sanctuaries and the identity theft do. Like, we think, oh my gosh, it's, oh, you know, because we're, you know, peaceful, law-abiding people. I would never want to do that, go somewhere illegally. That's scary, living on the, on the wild side. But they have their family members all doing it, and they live there for years. And like, hey, I'll come and join them. That's what Secretary Nielsen said during the hearing last week, two weeks ago, at the House Judiciary Committee, that um, a lot of these dudes, they're not just coming for economic reasons, they're coming for family unification. We have illegal alien chain migration, just like we have legal immigrant chain migration. Then we had another guy who was... um, apprehended in california and you you know no one talks about any of this it's from the website big big league politics um i just quote them because i think they put it together from a podcast of devin Nunes, congressman devin Nunes. this happened in his district so um devin Nunes has a podcast and he had sheriff uh mike uh Baudreau on he was a local sheriff there this is another guy, twice deported, murdered someone in Pixley, armed robbery, went on a 24-hour crime spree, reign of terror, and um, had a whole, whole criminal history. Whole criminal history. The sheriff continued to explain that since Garcia does not have a warrant for his arrest with a large bail, he could not be held under California law. He was deported twice. He had misdemeanor records. But California law protects suspects from immigration status checks if they only have committed misdemeanors. But now, there's another important thing here, by the way. If you remember, I wrote an article, part of this criminal justice reform, even aside from immigration, jailbreak, is to dismantle every aspect of our system, and one of them is to abolish bail. And what happens when you abolish bail is, well, you can't hold the guy if you don't offer bail. I mean, there's two ways to say it. You could abolish bail, meaning and keep the guy. You could abolish bail and let him go without paying. It swings both ways. So all but the, the, the worst guys, which, again, like, we don't want to only have the guy after he committed the murder. Yeah, like, after he committed the murder, fine. Yeah, fine. Now he's going to be turned over to ICE. But what about before? So anyway, California abolished bail for a number of categories of crime. So there's there's a double problem here. Meaning, aside from being an alien, so California is a huge problem now because so I mean, so much of the criminality in this country is from criminal aliens. But certainly California, it's eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. There, it's very saturated. It's insane the numbers. Utterly insane. So there, it's not. It, it's it's coming from two angles. 
to begin with, if they believe your crime is too low level, they won't turn you over to ICE. And then to begin with, even in the state system, so you're saying like, okay, so, all right, let's say you go and commit assault. Okay, maybe they don't want to turn you over to ICE, but maybe the state will at least keep you for their purposes. But no, they give bail because it's low level and they give no regard to your immigration status and the fact that you're the consummate flight risk as an alien and they let them go. So it's a double catch and release now. This is a big, this is what happened with the Garcia guy. He went on to to commit murder. One robbery, four shootings, two high speed chases, two police shootouts, one stolen vehicle and a major crash on crowded, crowded highway. All within that day. As they mentioned, this is the cost of social justice to the lives of Americans. All of this is avoidable. It's not just, oh, it's a shame. You know, the, the left talks about gun violence being avoidable when they know that there's nothing that they're proposing that would stop any of this. And in fact, they're the ones that are ensuring we don't lock up the people that are doing it. That's the thing with criminality. It's the 10% doing the 90%. You're not going to stop 100%. But it's known wolves that do everything. You lock them up, and with criminal aliens, you lock them up and then get rid of them. And then they won't have a reason to come back and won't be able to come back and would be deported if we had a functioning immigration system. So you can see we we link to other cases. And by the way, you know, um, I was joking around and saying, oh, at least once you commit the murder, fine, then they'll turn you over. Actually, there was a case in um, near Charlotte, North Carolina, where a guy, they say was a clerical error, an illegal alien arrested for murder was allowed out. Now, they said it's a clerical error, but um, according to the article I saw from WCNC, the local uh, station there, Mecklenburg County, they quoted the local bail bonds, and he was like, no. The new sheriff, you know, because that Mecklenburg County has become very liberal, decided to terminate the 287G cooperation program with the federal immigration agents. I mean, so we're rapidly reaching a point where even after they commit the murder, they are so hung up into this identity politics of treating illegals as better than people. See, legally, they're less protected. They're not protected. They shouldn't be protected. So therefore, it's 100% redressable with no limitations. They're making it now... I mean, the bar is higher even for Americans now, what they consider high level to hold people. That's that's where jailbreak ties in. But certainly, when it comes to illegals, even even categories of crime that they would treat as high level for other people, they're like, heck, I don't want ICE getting a hold of him. It's all political now. It is so dangerous. When you look at the criminality of, of, of illegals, it is astounding, these numbers, that ICE gets every year. Let, let's just take the murder. Two, over 2,000 murders from illegals. Now, again, doesn't mean that they're committed in one year. It was more likely over a longer period of time. These were the ones apprehended. But again, roughly that number is apprehended every year reoccurring. So it's garbage in, garbage out. It averages out. That's roughly 18% of all murders when they're 3.5% of the population. And again, a lot of times we don't catch them. More of those type of murders are going to be uncleared because often they're within their communities. And they're in there happen to be in sanctuary areas that just happen to also have like Chicago very low clearance rates. The DUIs. It is such a ubiquitous problem. Everyone knows it. It's the same thing with the Indian reservations. Unfortunately, a lot of the Native American tribes have a very big drinking problem. And it's become such an issue as um, Eileen Smith told us her kid was killed in New Mexico and she wasn't pursuing anything on immigration. It was straight up, you know, just with the locking system in place with the DUI felons, you know, it wasn't even mandatories, no, no jail time, but no, they wouldn't do it because of the politics of the Indian reservations. Similar thing with illegals. Can you imagine the devastation 
I've written about a few of these cases before, but the media ignores it. The number of people that are killed because of DUIs, devastating, devastating. But that's just half the story. They are often bad people that are doing that. It takes a person like that to keep doing that. Repeat DUI offenders. They commit the robberies, the assaults, the drug trafficking, and then the murders. But I, I, I want you, this is kind of a deep point, but I want you to understand the proportion of criminal alien crime relative to the country in, in the following terms. Keep in mind, despite our inadequate interior enforcement, we still do deport a number of people, even under Obama. And by and large, a lot of them we miss, but the ones we do deport are going to be worse than the ones we don't, right? I mean, the ones we are deporting are really, really bad. Meaning, you know, you commit a spree of violent crime, you're a lot more likely to be um, deported than for identity theft, which you should be. And then certainly when you don't have any other criminal record aside from being here illegally. So... Typically, when you're doing a study of universes, I, I want to do a controlled study of group A and group B demographics. Let's say it's gender, um, ge- geographical, ethnic, background, whatever thing you want to do, which group is more crone, prone to commit murder, let's say. In no other study do you ever have such a factor, a variable, where one group, one universe You have a legal mechanism that automatically drains out. Literally, Dex Machina comes in and removes the worst of the worst from the universe. Most of the murders, most of the worst crime is committed by the same type of people. Think about this. This is just, I mean, despite the ones we don't deport, but just to show how how much criminality we have, we have deported roughly, roughly, Um, four four million illegals since two thousand eight. Okay, so roughly over a decade, we deported four million illegals. A little bit more than half of them are what's designated as criminal aliens. And again, I don't. That doesn't. I don't know. If that even includes certain other crimes, certain misdemeanors, I'm not 100% sure because a lot of those commit a lot of bad things. But imagine that. We're, we're trying to compare, you know, and, and again, there's no exact number. It's very hard to do this for a number of reasons. But this is a factor in this whole discussion of criminal alien crime that a lot of people never mention. How many American criminals, career criminals, have we deported? Well, obviously zero. You can't. Deported 4 million over 10 years. Roughly 6 million since 1998. 6 million since 1998. And again, at least 3 to 4 million criminal aliens. So you're, and by and large, the worse you are, right? The more you're likely to get caught. Those are good. It's among that pool that's going to commit the murders. And we deported them. And yet we still rack up enough ICE apprehensions every year to account for 2,000 criminal alien murders. That's insane. Because could you imagine if we had the same universe of aliens as we did of citizens, meaning you didn't have deportation at all over the course of 20 20 years? It's It's a cumulative cascading effect of having the worst career criminals. Now, we still have a lot of them. We're not deporting, and this is what we're talking about. But a lot of them we did deport. Relative to Americans, which you don't deport any. Now, those are just removals. Then there's an even larger number of the amount that we apprehend at the border. They're called returns that we just return, expedited. They're not removals. 15.194 million by my count since 1998. 23.5 million since 1990. Over the course of last generation, whatever, 28 years, 23 million. We prevented from coming. 
Imagine if we allow, what would the criminality look like? In other words, what I'm saying is you got to have an apples to apples comparison. The, the, um, the sheer numbers we've turned back, the sheer numbers we've removed. And then the sheer number of, um, criminals that we do catch and release on when we know we've detained them. And released. You could imagine the, the, the percentage of criminality, the numbers we're seeing just from what ICE apprehends of DUIs, of assaults, of drug trafficking and murder and kidnapping, robbery is utterly as sex crimes, is utterly insane. This is what the media cannot allow to get out, which is why when a legal immigrant cop gets gunned down by a twice deported illegal that was let go from two DUIs by a sanctuary state. This issue literally touches on every hot button cultural sensitivity issue and news item. And they bury it. That is why. But imagine if Trump made this case in a televised address. Imagine if we had a party where the majority leader, the minority leader, House, Senate, all the big people on the Sunday shows would talk about this. You'd run ads on this. Every day. What would the politics look like? You want to talk about a missed opportunity. That is your missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity politically. But more importantly for our country. It's all a missed opportunity. Because none of this should ever happen. It's so avoidable. But that is the price. Of social justice. It comes at the expense of real justice. I, I'm just still I'm I'm staggered by the I, I spent a long time just tallying these numbers. You know, maybe I'll put it in an article at some point, but could you imagine we have this degree of criminality when we've drained off? Now again, it's not perfect because a lot of the numbers, you know, we as we saw, a lot of them do come back. So it doesn't mean we got rid of all of them. In other words, when we say we turned back, you know, over the last twenty-eight years, twenty-three point five million illegals. When we say we removed about six million over the last twenty years, um, you know, it's not all different people. They do come back, and we didn't permanently get rid of them, but a lot of them we did. You can't deny that. So, when you're doing the apples and apples comparison to Native Americans. I don't mean Indians. I mean, you know, we are all Native Americans if we're born here. It is truly astounding, the degree of criminality. And look, there's one million confirmed criminal aliens on the loose with final deportation orders that haven't been deported. There's several million criminal aliens, at least probably, um, just around in general. So um, that's the story here. So much more to say on this issue. But it's so avoidable. Now think about this. ICE was just forced to release a thousand aliens near El Paso. Do you understand what's coming in at El Paso? That's the Jalisco New Generation Cartel, El Mencho. The worst. Imagine like, okay, if I said, this is basically the ISIS human smuggling and drug smuggling corridor. Oh, a thousand people came in through that corridor. Uh, we just let them go. Now, look, you got to believe that the ones that they screened out that to the best of their ability were either you know, Middle Easterners or uh, gang members that the Trump administration at least is competent enough that that much they're, they're doing. But a lot of these guys that later become Sunaro members, this was, that was the gang, this Cop killer was a part of Latin Kings, La Raza Nation, MS-13, Texas Tango, um, 13th Street Gang. A lot of them are no-namers. There's Nothing's going to show up on Interpol system on them. They're a bunch of violent people coming from violent countries that have a lot of social problems. They come here in their teens, their early 20s. The young men, they're going to be very violent. Based on what I'm telling you, 
when you go and release a thousand of these, you're going to have a lot of bad dudes among them. Not all of them, but all of them, at, at the very least, will be a public charge. And of course, we don't care about that, but at least for the time being, at least for the time being, this is utterly insane. I have a whole stack of stuff here I didn't even get to. Um, you know, I'm just looking at it here. We're going to have to touch on this in a different show. But for now, I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart for a truly productive 2018. Happy New Year's. Hope you enjoy your day off tomorrow. We'll be back Wednesday to usher in this new year. Again, we're looking for ways to improve on how we tell the truth, how we become more effective. Email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at Conservative. God bless you all. Happy New Year. May God light up our intuition to truly, truly do what's proper in his eyes in the coming year of 2019.